Hello, Buglers, and welcome to issue 4027 of The Bugle, and or BL002, the highlights of the second Bugle live show from Melbourne, Australia. I am Andy Zaltzman, as you probably know by now, and I'm back above the equator. Water is no longer squirting me directly in the face as it flies upwards out of the plug hole. The blood is no longer flowing the wrong way up my arteries and or veins, and the sun is coming up on the right side of the sky again. Thanks very much to the Southern Hemisphere for having me, and thanks to everyone who came to my shows there. I will be back in the hopefully not-too-distant future. This week's Bugle was recorded back on Sunday the 23rd of April, the final day of the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, in the town hall in the city that, but for a serious lack of foresight by the people of 19th century Australia, was so nearly called Batmania, a missed opportunity that Australia continues to rue to this day. At least, I assume they rue it. They certainly should rue it. The Bugle Live that you're about to listen to covers all the issues of the day from two weeks ago with guests Will Anderson and Zoe Coombs-Marr, including an Australian government that had just pledged to scrap the 457 visa for temporary skilled overseas workers. Doesn't affect me as I only qualify for words one and three of that phrase. It was recorded just before round one of the French election. Round two is this Sunday, the 7th of May, so by the time you listen to this, Europe may possibly be absolutely shitting itself or smoking a relaxing metaphorical gitan of relief at France having become the first country ever to vote for a 3D printout of a political void, which, frankly, ought to be the blueprint for all politics. Full updates on the French election on next week's Bugle, when we will also have all the latest on the UK election that no one wanted, no one needed, and no one wanted or needed. In terms of coming to see my live shows, as I know you are all thirsting to do, in addition to my UK tour shows coming up this week at Exeter Phoenix on Wednesday the 10th and Birmingham Glee on Friday the 12th, thereafter Edinburgh, Glasgow, Newcastle, Chorley, Cambridge, Oxford and Reading, details at andyzaltzman.co.uk, there is the first of two satirists for high shows at the Underbelly on London South Bank on the 18th of May. Do send in your request for that show to satirise this at satiristforhire.com. And, as hinted last week, I'll be doing some election special shows at the Soho Theatre. I'm doing political animal shows on the 25th and 29th of May and the 3rd of June featuring me and guests to be announced and there is a one-off Bugle Live election special on the 30th of May. Uh, tickets for all these shows on sale at the Soho Theatre website. Also check the Underbelly site for the Bugle Live on the 13th of July and the Saturdays for Hire shows on the 18th of May and the 20th of June. And I'll be playing the Shea Stadium in New York on the 15th of August 1960. Oh, sorry, no, that was the Beatles. My mistake. Right, it's time travel time and hemisphere travel time. Back two weeks to the underside of the globe and this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to issue two of The Bugle Live, the visual version of an explicitly audio-only show. What are you doing here? Please now welcome to the stage, Andy Salzberg! Hello, Buglers! Great. Uh, I imagine that is the response that happens whenever I say hello, Buglers, on the podcast. I now picture everyone who listens to the podcast gathering together in a group of about 300 people and shouting and clapping. So welcome to The Bugle Live. How are you all? Good. Are you happy with the the world at the moment? No. Out of of ten, how do you score the world right now? Minus one. You've gone in very pessimistic there, madam. Let's try and get it in some kind of perspective. 1917 scored 1.3. 
Uh, I am, uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm Andy Zlat... How's that pronounced? Zlat... 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 Was that a Peruvian? Anyway. Um, I'm uh, Andy Zaltzman, and I am, uh, for those of you uh, listening not live, I am live in Melbourne, the city famous for its four seasons, in one day, weather quirks. As a result of which, Melbourne is officially the city with the most stressed farmers in the world. (laughs) Come on, for fuck's sake, no one can plough that fast. And and also home to some extremely disappointed husky dog teams. (laughs) Oh, balls, not again. I've just got the barking bastard strapped to my sledge and now it's fucking 35 Celsius and they want to go doggy surfing. Of course, some scepticism about that joke, as uh, Melburnians will know. It is, of course, under local bylaws, an offence to drive a goat or dog harnessed or attached to a vehicle in a public place. <laughs> so that joke is struck from the record. So, uh, <laughs> so we are recording on the 23rd of April, 2017. Uh, historic anniversaries. Uh, 1985, Coca-Cola launched the New Coke, one of the least successful reboots and rebrands in corporate history. Uh, up there alongside uh, confectioners Flurshy who started putting real chicken fetuses in their Easter eggs. Um, that did not go down well. Uh, children's author Roger Hargreaves. Are you Roger Hargreaves fans in Australia? Yeah. From the, the Mr. Men books, um, he released Mr. Horny. Um, <laughs> stridently pornographic. Um, although, to be fair, he did go into a bit more depth than usually. He painted a three-dimensional picture of underlying solitudes. And... Um, <laughs> And Smith & Weston's new Peace Pistol, uh, which just fired a little baby dove at 600 miles an hour out of the barrel. <laughs> Went down badly with both gun fans and animal rights activists. Um, also, the 23rd of, um, of April is St. George's Day. He spread himself around. St. George, the patron saint of England, patron saint of at least 10 other countries, which says to me one thing, and that is tax dodger. That, that's, <laughs> He uh, famously slayed a dragon, showing the cavalier attitude towards endangered wildlife that brought so many soft furnishings to British aristocratic living rooms during our imperial phase. Um, Sorry, first imperial phase. We're coming back for you, Australia. Come back to the mothership. And um, St George was not only patron saint, but also inspiration for the British laissez-faire attitude towards corporate tax dodging. Our whole um, uh, approach to this is founded on the St George School of Economics. Now, St George famously killed a dragon. What is less known is that it was a baby-eating dragon, and the way St George killed it was uh, by feeding it babies until it became too fat to breathe. (laughs) Now, of course, he was criticised for his methods, but he did insist that long-term there would be a net saving on babies. Oh, people say, well, it's all right for you, St George, they're not your babies being eaten. And it's true he kept his kids in an offshore account in the Cayman Islands. But the point is, we've got to trust our patron saints. Um, and uh, also, uh, 23rd of April, 40 years to the day since John Oliver was born. There he is. That is the baby John Oliver on the day of his birth. Um, uh, John Oliver, uh, of course, famously former co-host of The Bugle. Um, so what I would like you to do now is record a little birthday greeting for John. Okay, I'll pass that on. So, <laughs> <laughs> now, um, as always, the section of the bugle is going straight. In vain. <laughs> oh, God, I enjoy that. Um, 
This week, a William Shakespeare memorial supplement. Uh, it is 453 years since Shakespeare hatched out of a magic egg in the Forest of Arden, and 401 years since he popped his playwright's clogs, uh, meaning he's been dead or alive for a combined total of 854 years. <laughs> the uh, celebrity former England playwright and World Literature Hall of Famer. Um, old Billy Bigwords, of course, if you've not heard of him, cranked out uh, hit after hit after hit in various formats from the platinum-selling rom Tradge Hamlet uh, via controversially poorly researched historical documentaries such as Richard III or, to give it its rarely used full title, Tricky Dicky Gets the Hump. Uh, A number of sequels that didn't do so well at the box office, including Coriolanus and Othello Get the Munchies. Some uh, self-help plays, including The Joy of Plague. How to make the most of an agonising death, and um, also he did game shows. You know, he did. Uh, he was um, host of a couple of uh, very popular late 16th century game shows, including Itchy Witchy, um, in which you had to itch an alleged witch, <laughs> and if she screamed, she was a witch, um, and Heretic or Heracross. Uh, could the celebrity panel judge which contestant was a true follower of the Christian way and which infidel they should burn at the stake? Which. Frankly, was a fuck of a lot more interesting than As You Like It. Um, also, here's another fact about Shakespeare. Is it a fact? How can you tell these days? Um, his obsession with pentameter-based verse earned him the soubriquet, The Big I Am. Uh, <laughs> oh, come on, people. That deserved marginally more than it got. Um, some uh, famous uh, quotes from Shakespeare. Shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Um, of course, the first draft of that goes on. Uh, Shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Yes. Oh, good. In which case, you're like a summer's day, darling, in that I cannot spend any time with you because there's cricket on the telly. Um, cup of tea would be nice. Cheers. is 140 for three. So, and to commemorate Shakespeare, here at the Melbourne Town Hall, we have a room full of infinite monkeys trying to come up with uh, another Shakespeare smash hit. Let's just find out how they're doing. Who let the elephant in? Right, okay, let's see what they've come up with. Right, it appears to be the full lyrics to Millie Small's classic 1964 ska-pop hit, My Boy Lollipop. The first 18 minutes of an episode of Neighbours. And some improved versions of Shakespeare's existing work. Uh, um, A few just quotes picking out here. For fuck's sake, Othello, you fucking idiot. The guy's clearly a fucking douchebag. (laughs) Hamlet, you indecisive fuckstick. Make your fucking mind up, you privileged white loser. (laughs) And again from Richard III. Fuck, where's my fucking horse? What the fuck is my fucking horse? Which fucking schmuck nicks my fucking horse? Um, also, they've come up with the entire scripts of seasons one to three of Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. <laughs> and uh, here's something, King Lear, spelt L-E-E-R, about a very creepy old man. <laughs> oh, my Cordelia, if I wasn't your father, I would... Oh, sorry, no, that's just a load of Donald Trump quotes. Anyway, so... Oh, sorry. Right, so, right, it is time to meet our guests for today's Bugle. Are you ready to meet the guests? Yeah. Uh, good, what a, we got two brand new members of the uh, Bugle stable. Firstly, a man who should fit right into the Bugle, not only because he just has to look at something to turn it into a podcast, but also because he includes a pun on his own name in every single title of his live shows. So it is fortunate his name is Will, rather than, for example, Zvustislav. <laughs> Polish comedians would no doubt testify. Please welcome the wonderful Will Anderson. 
How are you doing, Will? Thank you. I'm good. Thank you. Yes. Welcome. Welcome to the bugle. Uh, welcome a... to the bugle. Welcome. Sorry. Very good. <laughs> You're going in hard, right? Yeah, now. we might as well. You brought it up. Oh, so. yeah, I did. I was, uh, I was impressed. I was reading through the uh, list of your shows, and um, are you planning another like, 50, 60 years of shows here? I mean, you're going to be I've, I've certainly got, I've got the last few right. planned out. Like, <laughs> okay. I, I think I'm going to do Terminally Will, right. and then Last Will and Testament. I, right. I think that's how right. I'll finish it out. The full know? posthumous show. Right. All right. What, I mean, what is your particular favourite Well, there's one pub? I haven't uh, got past my management yet that right. I want to do, which is Fuck, Marry, Will. <laughs> but... But unfortunately, that one doesn't work on a poster. So. <laughs> and also on Bugle debut, champion of last year's Melbourne Festival, star of the Edinburgh Fringe, it is Zoe Coombsma. Uh, hi, everyone. Oh, and also, sorry, I almost forgot, uh, our third guest today, literally dug up from his metaphorical Bugle grave, it is Tom the Producer. Welcome. Hello, Andy. Last week, Tom did not have uh, as much kit as you would expect a podcast producer to have whilst ostensibly producing a podcast. So this week, we've got him this. Ah, uh, thank you, so, Andy. Um, yes, Mike. So just, you know, I want, I want you to at least pretend that you're working. Oh, hang on. Andy, I think there's something wrong with his laptop. <laughs> and it's designed for ages four to eight. It should fit right in. Thank you. Um, um, for, Prop my, work. It's the best satire, really, isn't it? At my, um... Have you seen my show? Um, <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> so uh, I think it's time for our, our top story. And the top story... Uh, oh, hang on. Before that. Sorry. <laughs> right, OK. Top story this week. <laughs> Australian citizenship. And uh, it's all happening here in Australia. Will? Uh, yeah, basically, um, our current Prime Minister, you have to say that, because I don't know when people are going to be hearing this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it could but be a our week. our current so. Prime Minister, uh, uh, the Dishonourable Malcolm Turnbull, <laughs> and uh, the Sinister Minister for Immigration, uh, Peter, the man who was a cop, now is a human potato Dutton. <laughs> They uh, decided that Australian citizenship, citizenship tests uh, weren't strong enough because it turns out that you need to speak proper English, like being able to say citizenship tests. <laughs> uh, so they're going to put an English uh, language component into our new uh, citizenship test, but they're also going to uh, put in some other questions. Uh, there's now just two questions in the entire citizenship test. It's uh, The first one is, uh, are you a Muslim? Uh, and the second one is, no, seriously, are you a Muslim? So... <laughs> That's the whole test now, I believe. Any Peter Dutton fans in? <laughs> really? <laughs> I've been waiting to say this. Go back to where you came from, mate. <laughs> uh, any Malcolm Turnbull fans? Yeah. Bill Shorten fans? <laughs> that was the most appropriate response. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Malcolm Turnbull journey, isn't it? There was that That's moment right. we were optimistic that it might have been all right, and then it's just been like, oh. Trojan. Oh. He's even stopped catching the bus. Like, remember when, like, every day. So it, when he first came in, because he's, like, worth billions of dollars and most of them are in the Cayman Islands, so that's not one of the questions on the test, luckily, for Malcolm. Uh, but every day, to show he was a man of the people, he would be seen on a bus. There'd be a picture of him taking a selfie on a bus because someone had obviously told him that's what ordinary people do. 
That's not what they do, Malcolm. No ordinary person gets on a crowded bus at seven o'clock in the morning and goes, ooh, she'll get this for my Instagram. This is a highlight of the day. We know you're rich, Malcolm. You're yeah. so rich that you like looked at beautiful Kirribilli House on Sydney Harbour and just went, nah, I'm not living in that shithole. <laughs> He's rich enough to be Prime Minister by day and Batman at night, Andy, so... Peter Dutton, um, he said, our reforms uh, will ensure applicants commit to embracing Australian values, but it appears that the values that he he embraces are ones of quite horrific intolerance. (laughs) So that to become a citizen, you basically now have to want yourself not to become a citizen. That is... Yeah, it's a little difficult for immigrants to embrace the Australian value of hating immigrants. <laughs> what they do in the test now is they hold up a mirror and if you don't say, fuck off, we're full, you're out. <laughs> of course, If you see something, say something. <laughs> the great problem, of course, is, is space. And Australia is... Uh, I mean, there is almost, almost none of it left that's... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, only, only 10% of Australia is inhabitable, according to no less a source than the internet. A tiny amount of land into which you could barely squeeze five Bangladeshis or three United Kingdoms. So it's pretty much filled to bursting point with its 23 million people. Fuck off, we're full. <laughs> it seems to me uh, that, essentially, Australian rules immigration is basically the same as Australian rules football in that it is needlessly violent and aggressive, despite there being a vast amount of space. (laughs) And it is... And it it is, and will always remain, completely and utterly baffling to the outsider. (laughs) You're a big footy fan, aren't you? Yes, yes, sir, I am. Right. Can Can you explain it to... A confused outsider. Such oh, as you're not meant to get it. You're right. just meant to like it. All right. <laughs> you're just meant to. It's an evolving game. That's the joy of it. But I, I support a team that had not won the premiership since 1954, right. uh, and they won the premiership last year in like a Cinderella story, the Western Bulldogs, and it was very exciting for me. But I did lose one of my favourite jokes of all time, which was uh, I used to say that if I'd wanted to watch their previous premiership, I would have only had to wait another two years until television came to Australia. <laughs> So. You're not a fan, Zoe? I care about sport about as much as I care about Malcolm Turnbull's bus selfies. <laughs> uh, so, sorry, guys. I know you're all sports fans. I, get, I know it's a yeah. thing. I just... Uh, I don't care. Right. Any sports at all, though? No, nah, no, nah, none of right. them. You are, you are wrong. You are, you are factually wrong. <laughs> you are. No, no, I'm right about me not caring about sport. No, 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 but no, no yeah. you're wrong about the way you're conducting your life. You, you have to embrace sport. <laughs> It's so right. much better than reality. Uh, it's fine. It's fine. I, um, you know, I like, you know, c- contemporary performance art. Like, it's not. No one likes that. That's fine. We can like different things. It's cool. Well, just do contemporary performance art with a ball and a net. It'll be so much better. <laughs> so much better. There's been a lot to talk about Australian values um, with this story. Malcolm Turnbull said Australians have an enormous reservoir of good sense. Uh, <laughs> And we are going to drain that reservoir (laughs) (laughs) to stop the boats floating on it. It's ours. We own it. We got it. We stole it. Um, Values values of mutual respect, uh, democracy and freedom. I mean, how does that square with the... uh, 
you know, Manus Island and Nauru. That's, um, well, we don't want people coming over here taking our democracy, Andy. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, well, this, cu- this country was originally founded by your people as a prison island. Yep. And now we're just franchising. <laughs> That's better than any joke that was in my show this year. (laughs) And I'm sad that I came up with it on the last day of the festival. (laughs) Anyway, come back next year and see my whole show about that. (laughs) Will Legal Alien. (laughs) Boom! Boom! Hang on. I'm going to give that a... There we go. Right, I think we should move on to uh, science. Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> t- t- Tom, did you put that one together? Yeah. Right. <laughs> how, how, you, now, you've lived here for six years? Yes. How, how are your Australian values coming on? Ah, uh, yeah, well, um, my current visa situation means I can't join in this bit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or have any opinion whatsoever. But keep going, it's going really well. Yeah. Good. Four, five, seven, are you? Yeah. I, I had a conversation with someone the other day who was like, they obviously hadn't read the news properly, but was like, I heard that um, Malcolm Turnbull's getting rid of almost 500 visas. <laughs> Science news now, and um, Zoe, there's some very, very worrying news that you you found for no, us this week. Well, also good news, good right. news. Um, world almost ended just a couple of days. I don't know if anyone knows this, but we had a real close shave with an asteroid the other day. Um, How it was close, exactly? Heaps close. Right. Yeah, just... Good terminology. Past. Yeah, uh, yeah it's, that's in the um, Australian citizenship test. Right. <laughs> it's this massive asteroid um, that has, you know, been doing the rounds for a while. <laughs> But it's actually made up of two asteroids stuck together and it nearly hit Earth just the other day and, like, almost ended the world. So, right. yeah, it's pretty exciting. It's called The Rock, but it didn't hit us because then it had to go off and do uh, Fast and Furious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people did say it was the most electrifying force in space and asteroids. <laughs> oh, no, no, sorry. You've got to follow wrestling to get that joke. And... <laughs> I think it missed by a million miles, yeah. which is a pretty piss-poor effort as far as I'm concerned. No wonder the dinosaurs got cocky. Those asteroids are generally shit. Just gotta... But they never oh. dinosaur it coming. No. Bravo. Oh, hang on. Oh. I thought you people liked puns. Yes. Bastards. Thank you. <laughs> um, well, for any... Uh... Sorry, I'm being a bit fossilly. <laughs> I've got. Right, I'll have another try, Levite. <laughs> I thought that was a classic. They're wearing your clothes, Andy. <laughs> so I'm quite happy with this. Uh, I'm a, not. It's taken a slightly taken the pressure off of what's coming later. <laughs> <laughs> Just feel so. It's, it's great writing this. It's like I feel like Charlotte Bronte saw us. <laughs> oh, that was Triceratops. <laughs> Shall I leave? <laughs> really suits me to a T, Rex. Uh, let's have another jingle. So, uh, we are having uh, an election. Any Brits in today? Are you, uh, have you got election fever? No? <laughs> um, it depends what the symptoms are, I guess. 
Um, if it's just you want to lie in bed for months on end, then I think I might have it, to be honest. Um, now, I'm going to get quite technical here. Theresa May made a speech, and if you've seen my shows before, I use a device called the Subtextricator. Now, the, uh, one of the great frustrations of modern life is that um, we don't trust politicians. We always think there's some hidden subtext. The Subtextricator extricates that subtext for us. Let me just get it running now. Hang on. Subtextricator on. Okay, I just need to calibrate it on you, the audience, before I run Theresa May's word through it. I'm just going to ask a few of you questions. Uh, mate, enjoying the show so far? Not bad. Not bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> why, did you, why did you come here? For you? To see if it's better than last week. To see if it's better than last week. <laughs> Let's, let us find out what, what you really mean. Let's find out what you really mean by that. I know there is a Pokemon somewhere in this room. I think it is in Andy Zaltzman's trousers. I am going to look in Andy Zaltzman's trousers. Right, fair enough. And, um, <laughs> madam, you enjoying the show so far? Ten out of ten. Steady. <laughs> <laughs> this is, at best, an idea being worked through. So. <laughs> Did I say that out loud? Sorry. <laughs> let's, uh, let's find out what you really mean by that. I am finding it powerfully erotic. Not that kind of show, lady. Right. Good. So uh, let's, uh, let's, put, uh, let's put Theresa May's uh, words out. So she, uh, she said firstly that she wanted to explain what she was doing. She said this. I want to explain the reasons for that decision. What that mean? This will be quick. Jeremy Corbyn. Oh, there we go. Very simple. And uh, she also explained what we'll have to decide on uh, in, when we vote in June. And the choice facing the British people when you come to vote in this election. What does that mean? It will be very similar to the choice you get in a restaurant serving only rat's testicles and the scrapings of chairs in nursing homes. <laughs> Funny because it's true. <laughs> Uh, she um, also uh, kind of showed what, what momentous times we live in in Britain. Britain is leaving the European Union and there can be no turning back. Britain is Thelma. I am Louise. Let's do this thing. <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> <see> you, uh, <laughs> vroom vroom. Um, <laughs> She also complained that people have not been doing exactly what, uh, what she wanted so far in Parliament. She said this. At this moment of enormous national significance, there should be unity here in Westminster. But instead, there is division. I fundamentally misunderstand the purpose and function of democracy. <laughs> um. And she also complained about other people who've not been, uh, not really been, uh, been, <laughs> been helping her out. She said this. Unelected members of the House of Lords have vowed to fight us every step of the way. Hearing the Conservatives complain about an unelected House of Lords is like hearing Michelangelo complain about there being too many naked willies on a ceiling. <laughs> And finally, she, she had a warning for all her political opponents. She said this. This is your moment to show that you do not treat politics as a game. If scientists can find a way of turning hypocrisy into electricity, I have just saved the planet. You're welcome. So, um, how much do British elections get, get much traction over here? Do you... Uh... Oh, oh, you know, we just find the idea, I think, in Australia now of elections a bit quaint. Because that's not really how we change leaders in this country. <laughs> we do that between elections. We just get them out of the way and then go fucking... Ah! <laughs> go for it. So, is, that, is that working well? 
Oh, yeah, it's going great. <laughs> yeah. It's like we've got the best car in the world and we can't find one idiot to drive the thing. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. Everyone's getting a go. It's like the chicken shop. You just take a number, you'll be Prime Minister at some stage. <laughs> We do get a bit of coverage of that, but people are so disengaged with the game of it. But I saw recently what someone had proposed that we have a national holiday, like a public holiday that's just about thinking about politics. Like an actual MP had said, but yeah, called Deliberation Day, just to think about politics. It's so, it just feels so sad to me. It's like the loser at school getting their mum to pay people to come to your birthday party. It's just the... Is there something wrong with that? <laughs> and essentially you've just described people who start podcasts. So... <laughs> Please help. <laughs> Um, also, uh, by the time you listen to this, either in the room or at home, sound takes its sweet time, uh, France, France will have started voting in its presidential election. They will have started smearing their foie gras next to the names of their preferred candidates, whatever they do. Um, the uh, the favourite is uh, Emmanuel Macron, the uh, centrist candidate who's been playing the I'm the least obvious lunatic card pretty hard. Uh, Donald Trump has said Marine Le Pen is the best candidate, uh, from which you can logically deduce that a steaming pile of freshly defossilised mammoth shit would be a better candidate than her. Now, the immigration issue in France has been, um, uh, can anyone guess? A, cynically exploited and massively divisive, or B, barely mentioned at all by the candidates who maturely focus on building a peaceful, unified nation. It is A, correct. Um... (laughs) But there's been some fringe candidates. I'll just take you through some of the fringe candidates now, uh, including Herflance Oxleflevre of the Chag Gallique Party, the most indifferent force in French politics. Uh, Marionette Plonqueur, leader of the SLM, that's the far-right anti-history party, Seulement Le Maintenant, uh, which wants to hit all French people on the head with a granite baguette uh, until they've forgotten anything that has ever happened in their history that might suggest that drifting to the far-right is not a good idea. Um, Severance de Couchetet, the Plus d'Affaires party, wanting compulsory affairs for all married couples in France. Which you might think is a little bit pointless, a bit like uh, the um, Make New Zealand More Obsessed with Rugby party. Um, uh, Baguettine Foi de Chien, she's from the Parti pour les Stéréotypes Nationales. And... um, Flamboise Pluterial, who's uh, independent but scarred by allegations that not only did he give his wife a non-existent job and pay his children non-existent money, but that he himself does not even exist. I mean, these goes go to the very top. Last living uh, moments news now, and uh, an American man uh, died last week, believing Donald Trump had been impeached after his 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 wife. Uh, told him that, thinking it would make him leave the world happier. <laughs> now, this... I mean, this, this is the greatest story to emerge from the whole Trumpshire muzzle for me. This... I mean, I just think that's what you do to someone you love. Like, it's, <laughs> it's their moment, they're about to go. I would have leaned into it. If he held on for another five minutes, I'd be like, oh, and they scooped out his eye and they <laughs> fucked him in the eye socket. Like... I mean, if he had five minutes left, I wouldn't lead with that, but... Like... <laughs> 
Yeah, you don't want to be sitting with that image (laughs) for too long. It's nice, isn't it? Don't you think this would be like, I feel like that would be my, if I was ever going to be like a charity worker or in like palliative care, I feel like that's what I'd like to do. I would happily, if you had like a grandma or a grandpa who was about to like die or something, I would happily research them. You could send me an email, like their main topics, what they'd be into. And then I'd just go and stand by their bed and just about to die, say whatever it is that would make them most happy at their final fuck. That would be, I think that would be a really nice, satisfying job. You'd be like, hey, Andy, I know you're about to die, but John said he's coming back to the podcast. (laughs) Isn't the only thing you want to hear when you're about to die, you're not going to die? (laughs) Actually, that's what you do for most of them. You're just like, oh no, they found a cure for what you... Oh, he's dead. Uh... (laughs) Too late. Died happy though. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, a, a friend of mine was telling me yesterday about like um, her, when her grandmother was was on her deathbed and her her mother um, was is very very English and uh, had said had said like oh um, she asked oh am I dying and I and she said well what did you tell her she said oh no I didn't I said no and she said because she was dying and she said well, why. Oh, we kill her. <laughs> Makes sense. I mean, what would you what would you like to be told as your your parting your parting lie? <laughs> I mean, yeah, okay. Well, I guess the lie that would most reassure me uh, as I was about to die is the world's going to be fine, Will. Right. <laughs> I mean, but try and be true, realistic. By the way. Yeah, no, I've gone too big on that. It's fine. There's still plenty left. The best is still ahead of us, Will. That's what I would like to hear. I'd like to hear that the future of Test cricket is safe. That's that's what I want. (laughs) Or that bacon is actually kosher. It was was all a misprint, Andy. You're getting 5,000 years knocked off your eternity in hell. Zoe, any, anything you particularly like to hear before you, you peg out? No, just you're not going to die. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Tom? The Celtic have won the Champions League. But to be honest, that's... <laughs> that is else. even more outlandish than anything Willow suggested. So, um... <laughs> right, your questions now. We're going to do a Q&A. We have had a few sent in by Twitter. This came in from Merkin Muffley. Um... <laughs> Bingo. If you could undo Brexit and kick Trump, Putin and Kim Jong-un out of power, but it meant that all cricket would cease forever, would you do it? Absolutely not. The world has to have hope. And, I mean, sorting that out is just a temporary... temporary. I mean, we've seen that with Australia. You thought you got rid of Tony Abbott. He's going to have been kind of charging back into reality. Oh, recently. thank God. Yeah. <laughs> Firstly, to solve all that stuff, I'd be willing to give them one day cricket. Right. Oh, yeah. We've we got can... 2020, we've got Test Match, we'll give them one day cricket. <laughs> Nobody really cares that much apart from World Cups now. But uh, Abbott's not coming back. He, he wants to come back, right. but he's not coming. There's no way that he's coming back. Well, there are so many more onions that need to be eaten. <laughs> well, this is the thing about the onion. Like, people think, oh, he ate a whole onion. But the fact was he ate it with the skin on. He ate two, that's right. But with the skin on... <laughs> The skin on is the bit that you've got to remember. I was like, I want to see how he eats fantails. Like, does he, like, eat the whole thing and shit out the trivia? Is that the Abbott way? 
You're going to have to give us some footnotes on that. Fantails. What's oh, up? in Australia, right. we have a, like a caramel. It's like a hard caramel and it's covered right. with chocolate. And it's like, and you got them at the movies and they would have like movie trivia on them. They'll call right. fantails. So they would have little bits of trivia on Oh, right, I assume this one of your indigenous mammals or something. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what is, it has a fan as like a tail a and, and, it's and like a beak trivia. and lives in the middle of the country. <laughs> I, I think it was Oscar Wilde who said, wasn't it, that mm. um, to eat an unpeeled raw onion once might be considered unfortunate. <laughs> to do so twice, you are a certifiable fucking lunatic. <laughs> I have a question right Got a question? So this may be a personal question, Andy, but I'm wondering... Now that there are two competitors in the world for most prominent and effective bullshit artists in the world, do you have to share the trophy or is there one for good and one for evil? Oh, good bullshit and evil bullshit. When that is a battle that has been going on since the very dawn of time, as the Bible would no doubt testify. Um, it's been going on since, you know, for 13 billion stroke 6,000 years. So... Um, I see it as an aficionado and a devotee of bullshit. Um, I think what we need is not to end fake news. We just need to fight it with even faker news. <laughs> that is a bit more positive about uh, the prospects for humanity. That's, um, that's my answer. Just about- treat humanity like they're on their deathbed. Exactly! And that's exactly. not hard to imagine, so... <laughs> I've got another Asteroid, one here. guys. Just tell us what we want to hear until we die. Go on. That's right. Oh, that, another question over here, sorry. Uh, yep. Yeah, cheers. <laughs> uh, I love that not only did that person want to ask a question, but also wanted to wrap up that riff. Yeah. <laughs> we had a five o'clock show to get to, so... <laughs> wasn't, guys, wasn't going anywhere. Be indulgent. Uh, Andy, I'd just like to get your opinion on Anzac Day public holiday coming up on Tuesday. Yep. Essentially a holiday, you know, celebrating Australia's first involvement in war where we were sent to the machine guns by the British. Oops. Uh, um, so firstly, we'd like to say thank you for the day off. <laughs> on, on, behalf, on behalf of Winston, you are welcome. Um, yeah, we'll have one more question. We'll pick up one for that, was, uh, that was sent in. This is from uh, at Archivist. Could you beat Donald Trump in a duel? Well, have, have you ever have you ever had a duel to the death? I, I mean, are you? <laughs> well, if I have, I've got a good record. So... <laughs> and I always tell them just what they want to hear before they die, which is oh, I've never done this before. <laughs> killed six people but anyway that's how I keep at the top Ed <laughs> so if you if you had a du- duel with Trump what would be your chosen chosen tactics running away just run right. <laughs> I mean because he would clearly cheat Trump yeah mm. he would I mean he would machine gun you a day before the scheduled start of a duel I think yeah that's why I'm running alright okay good, good tactics yeah. what about you Andy if you were going to duel Donald Trump well I would dress as Donald Trump <laughs> and attempt to confuse him <laughs> to maybe show him what he's become. <laughs> By acting like a mirror and getting him to do the Australian citizenship exactly. test. There we go. There's a lot of lovely callbacks coming into this bar. Of the show. This is, um, so just a couple more things to get through. I mentioned um, your uh, incredible local wildlife here in, uh, in Australia. Famous 
for many of the animals found nowhere else in the world, many of the famous mammals. I could have seen loads of them in Melbourne Zoo the other day when my family went, but um, I'm afraid of wild dogs, so I didn't go. <laughs> yep, um, I almost saw a cracking marsupial up close, but unfortunately it was the other side of a large, tall collection of apiaries, real wallabies. Um, the, um, the author, William Burroughs, or as he liked to be known, Bill B., um, <laughs> Uh, he used to go out looking for animals in the outback. Do you know that as a fact? He took tin food with him, but in the intense sunshine, the tin often expanded and exploded. Yes, the kangaroo. <laughs> um, personally, though, I'm always well prepared when I go bush. Um, I take this special device that's like a cross between a regular cooker and a Chinese frying pan. Uh, it's called a kuoka. Um, but... Um, this mate of mine, I went out uh, looking for wildlife with him once. He works in politics. He used to pass the time as he waited before he could see an animal, adding up the cost of high-grade balsamic vinegar, having a coat of arms designed for his family, and expensive waistcoats. Well, I said to him, those are some posh sums. <laughs> posh, posh. But, um, Boo. Well, he ended up... Uh, he ended up... Um, he ended up trying to strike a deal with Malcolm Turnbull. That's uh, to minimise the impact of politics. All cabinet members should uh, spend all day snoozing up a tree. It would have been a coalition, coalition government. Coalition government. Uh, he liked cricket as well, but he always liked to heat up his equipment before doing it. Uh, he always used a warm bat. Um, but incidentally, the former head of FIFA, um, he likes to go on wildlife spotting journeys as well. But he has to travel around these days on his own in a special coach constructed by former animated birds Daffy and Donald. He goes everywhere in his duck-built bladder bus. <laughs> there we go, that's the logical end of civilization. So, <laughs> that is the end of this second uh, live bugle in the history of the universe. Uh, it's been a great pleasure doing these couple of shows here in Melbourne. Please show uh, your appreciation first for producer Tom, twiddling the knobs. <laughs> Waving the microphone. Great to have him back. To the wonderful Zoe Coombsma and Will Anderson. I've been Andy Zaltzman. Goodbye. Well, there you go. And wasn't it lucky that we had a ready-to-go, already-recorded episode in the can this week? The Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Because trying to record a new episode would surely have been impossible. So soon after the world was rocked to its quivering core, by the news that Prince Philip, the longest-serving queenial spouse in British monarchical history, is set to quit public displays of monarch spousing. Rumour has it that Philip, the 96-year-old long-time squeeze of Her Majesty the Queen, could be set to join Led Zeppelin as a marimba player or pursue his lifelong dream of working as a bingo caller. In the meantime, Britain will soldier on with tears in its eyes with Prince Philip's place at public engagements taken by the Queen's new boyf, the four-time Wimbledon semi-finalist, Tim Henman. I'll be back with a fresh, regular bugle next week with Anuvab Pal, and every single relevant global event will be forensically bullshitted back to rights. Do send in your emails to hellobuglers at thebuglepodcast.com. Until then, buglers, goodbye. I love a podcast audience because it's a bunch of people who normally do this thing by themselves, weirded out by being the other people. (laughs) (laughs) By which we mean, thanks for coming, everyone. Great to see you all. Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth, Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better 
in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you 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 must be so excited. Listen now. <laughs>